And now... Last year, it went tire Hey guys, this is Marco Mendoza from Dead Daisy. This is Tate Fletcher. Hi, this is Ivan Davies from My Pal. This is John Karate. It's Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. Let's hear it. I knew all the dance moves. It just makes me feel good. How long has this Rocktober thing been going on? Great idea. There's so many people, there's so much energy. Now, now, 365 days later. Whoa, whoa, stop, stop it right there! We're ready to do it all again. Ready on the live from the action on the camera. Welcome to Rocktober 2017 on the Mojo Radio Show. One days that will go down in history. It feels good to you, baby, let me hear you say. Huh. All right, it feels good to you, baby, let me hear you say. All right, it feels good to you, baby, let me hear you say. Stand by. Feel it in my feet. It all starts. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the Mojo Radio Show. Welcome on board the bus, the bus with the big fats and the hot rims heading towards the end of Rocktober. Big finale and for everybody who's joined us on this trip, on this road trip along Route Mojo 66, thanks for joining us. Hope you've enjoyed the month. What a cracking list of guests. We've got another, well actually we've got an interesting show this week and we'll tell you why in just a sec. And sitting in the driver's seat, driving the big red bus that we do call the Mojo Radio Show, finishing off Rocktober. Robbo, uh, where are you taking us today, mate? Mate, I think we're going to take a trip down memory lane. Tate Fletcher. We are going to go back a bit. Before we go back, let me set it up for those who may have just joined us, because we do get new listeners joining us from somewhere around the globe each week. The Mojo Radio Show is just about finding interesting people that we can talk to and extract their tips, their tools, uh, their opinions, the stuff that they are doing to get their mojo working in or out of work in some aspect of their world. And Rocktober was a month where a radio station, a commercial radio station, would basically turn the month of October into Rocktober, throw everything at it with giveaways, goodies, live shows, live acoustic performances, special guests, and we have endeavoured to do that. It's our third, maybe third year, mate, isn't it? Third, third year, year doing this? Yeah, year number three. Third year of Rocktober. I think we've done a fairly decent job of it thus far for Rocktober and uh, if you're new to the show new to Rocktober welcome let's rock into it now our guest is literally MIA I know I'm a bit worried, mate. Hollywood stuntman goes missing. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Uh, here's the backstory, folks. We have we had Tate Fletcher, who is a guy who's got an amazing backstory, as you will hear. He is a stuntman in Hollywood. We have a hard time getting a hold of Tate only because he's on call for the studios to do big gigs. I mean, recently I saw him on... The Accountant with Ben Affleck. I'm pretty sure I saw him in Fast and Furious 8. 
uh, alongside The Rock and Jason Statham. I'm fairly sure he's there because he's pretty uh, he's pretty identifiable once you know who Tate is. He also owns Nuevo Cerveza Microbrewery, which we love, right, mate? Yeah, hello. Big <laughs> shout out to them. <laughs> And, and he owns his own coffee. He owns his own coffee company, Caveman Coffee. He owns a bunch of nightclubs called the the Concrete Cowboy Nightclubs. The guy's an all round badass. He is a stunt man in Hollywood, getting good gigs, and he's an entrepreneur. But above all, he's just a good guy. And we first connected with Tate last Rocktober, and he opened. And I went to him and said, "Look, can you close Rocktober for us this year?" He said, "Brother, whatever you need, I'm down for it." And I went, "Great." Well, we've had a hard time finding him since. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, rather than let you down, and because it's podcasting and you can do whatever the hell you want because it's your medium, we thought what we'd do is we would flashback. For those people who aren't familiar with Tate, that's his resume. He's a pretty cool guy. When you look at him, his philosophies, how he presents himself and how he thinks about life is so in conflict with what he looks like. He is a force of nature. He's a cool guy. So we thought, let's let's go back into October last year, bring the best of Tate forward, drop him into this year's show, and uh, I think it's worth it. So Tate Fletcher, <laughs> welcome to the Mojo Radio Show. Pleasure to be here. So glad I could make it. Yeah, we, uh, we've been really looking forward to this for a number of reasons. You are leading out one of our... I guess our biggest rock star guests for Rocktober here in Australia. The Mojo Radio Show is bringing back a, a session called Rocktober where we have great interviews, interesting people, play a bit of rock, look at the lessons of rock. So you are uh, you're leading us out, mate. Awesome. Awesome. What's well, an honour. <laughs> <laughs> now, for those people who may not be familiar with your story, mate, just describe to me, if somebody says to you, you know, who is Tate Fletcher today, what do you say you do? Wow. I tell them I'm. I tell them I'm jobless. Uh, <laughs> my quick answer. I'm like I'm unemployable and I'm kind of shiftless. I, I don't know. Anything could change at any time. <laughs> like because so many people give no. They don't care very much one way or another. And so I figure out that's just the easiest way out. And um, boy, and then the other aspect is it becomes super pretentious almost in a way or so. Like. It seems crazy. It seems unbelievable to me, all the stuff that's gone on recently that I've been able to be a part of, and I've been real fortunate with it. So what do I do? I only do things that I love doing. Uh, anything that I don't like doing that doesn't um, turn me on, I'm not doing that thing, or I'm going to mitigate that to the biggest degree that I can. Uh, I run a radio podcast called Pirate Life Radio. I am an owner, um, along with Lacey Mackey and Keith Jardine in Caveman Coffee, which is a single origin, single estate, high-grade coffee that's kind of got a consciousness around health and nutrition and people kind of getting their lives back from what the dogma of health from the FDA, which is amidst a a ton of um, bad information in the United States anyway. Um, And so at any rate, those are some of the things I do. And then I, I have some ownership in a few nightclubs around Texas, and we're just about to open one in Chicago. Uh, I own a jiu-jitsu studio, 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Santa Fe, and a strongman and CrossFit gym called Undisputed Fitness. And, um, 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 oh, and then I, I, I own a, I, I own a microbrew. I, I, I'm like a half owner in a microbrew uh, called Nuevo Cerveza. And we're just opening a tap room and coffee house kind of internet cafe here in Santa Fe. And then um, I'll be I'll be delving into, you know, natural and 
holistic supplement line with a friend of mine that I've uh, been talking about. He used to sponsor me when I used to fight. I used to fight professional mixed martial arts. And um, he was one of my first sponsors back in like 06 or something like that. And and now he's looked to move out of all the kind of cancer-ridden that is amidst the performance and supplement companies in the world mm. and wants to go into like natural sweeteners, natural flavors, um, and, and things just, you know, I, I only really want to be a part of things that I really use and that have been super helpful to me. And so that, that's kind of the next endeavor. And then I've got one more after that that I want to do by the next year. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty busy and I'm looking more for partners and assistants right now than I am for anything else, man. Uh, I, uh, I stay busy. Oh, and I'm writing a book. I've just got a really oh, good really? solid on this book. Yeah. And that's been, it's, it, you know, so paying attention to all the details for me has been the, the, the thing that, you know, what, what do I do? I'm the guy that gets the job done. Whatever that is, let's get it done, man. And we'll figure out a way. So when do you find time for yourself in all that, mate? That's all myself. <laughs> what I do, what I do as far as that goes though, I mean, because it's true, you give a lot of yourself and you, you know, you become uh, mitigated in your performance and your function and in your usefulness to those around you. And w- which I think is what, you know, that's the primary purpose. I, I, I should have prefaced that. That's the primary purpose of all the thing. How can I, how can I best serve the community and the loved ones around me? Uh, that, that's what, that's what Tate Fletcher is, is like, how do I become as great and as useful as I can be so that I can be more useful and more of like, uh, either, either a hopefulness or, um, a performance aspect in other people's lives for the betterment of my community, which will spread to my city and my state and my country and my world and make the world a better place. Uh, how, how do I, how do I polish myself to that end? And, and I guess that's the, that's the forerunning thought of what, what's in my mind most days. And in order to do that, I do have to regenerate myself a little bit. And so I, I tried to, like, I bought, I just bought an infrared sauna and I bought it, um, not cause I ever plan on cutting weight again because no way, but, um, <laughs> uh, I, it's like a quiet place that's outside of any books or articles or any of the notes I have written on my walls that I can get away and I can just meditate 15 minutes in the morning and at night. And, and I just try to reset my mind so that I can be a open vessel for the information that is incumbent that day. And so that I can kind of defrag myself from the day's events at the end of the day and I can sleep well. And I, I try to go to sleep well and I try to be conscious about that because it's like, you know, that laying meditation that you do for six hours or eight hours, however much sleep you get, if you're going to sleep with negative thoughts or with a lot of stress on your mind, you're going to have an elongated period of stress and trouble on your mind while you're asleep subconsciously, I believe. And so I try to control that. You know, I I try to control the aspects of myself so that I can be most useful. One thing I love about hearing you on Pirate Life Radio, and I've heard a lot of interviews that you've done uh, on YouTube and on podcasts. One thing that strikes me, you've done it during this interview, you talk about conversations you have with yourself and you yeah. talk about, Tate, I need to do this or Tate, you need to think about. Is it your thought that today we perhaps seek too much validation from others apart, uh, as opposed to looking inside and having discussion with ourselves? Yeah, certainly. I think that, um, I mean, from the beginning, I wanted to push away any responsibility. And I, I often joke that all I need to get by in this life is a good scapegoat. And, and that's, kind of, that's kind of the truth. I just, I, I go through the actions. All I need is somebody to blame if it goes south, you know? And, uh, and you know, and what a meager pussy way that is to go through life. But for a long time, I was like, I don't want to take responsibility for it. And I don't want to have the conversation if it does go south. 
So that thing about really owning your life, I think is the hugest thing I used to, you know, when I was talking about the links of the chain earlier and, and like, if you're hundred percent committed to those links, they're strong enough to build the next link on. And then you get further down the road and you get further into your function as a human, you become a professional human. And I, I think that that hundred percent commitment's a huge piece. Like you have to be hundred percent responsible. If you're not, how could you hope for success? And I started, I, I was on a BJJ podcast a while ago and then I think I also heard Jocko Willink he, he's made the line famous uh, discipline equals freedom and and I said a similar thing uh, uh, about a year before that where I was talking about you know the real freedom lies in my full commitment in my full owning all the responsibility because who else is going to own it this is my life I'm an autonomous being that is working in the unity of the whole of everybody else and so it's this uh paradox of I'm uh, all autonomous, but I'm all completely responsibility to the hive. You know, like we're, we're all mm-hmm. one in this singular purpose. You know, we're, we are this, we are autonomous individuals and we're an autonomous group as well. Uh, the, the singularity piece is, is a double-edged sword in that way. And so I, I think about being hundred percent committed. Like I, I'd take it back to wrestling and I, I'd go, I can teach you distance uh, for like a double leg takedown. And I can teach you to change your level. I can teach you all the mechanics of turning the corner, all that kind of thing. But I can't teach you commitment. I can't teach you to, uh, you know, what, what we would say is, uh, you know, you got to commit to the shot and, and to follow through. And you can't really teach that. You have to feel it and you have to believe beyond your doubts. And it's tough to do that. That's a tough thing to do. But it's also 100% vital. You must do it or you'll never take anybody down, even though you know the conversation. And so I think that thing, you know, in relationships, in businesses, in whatever, if I'm not willing to be 100% committed, what am I even doing there? Why am I there part way? I don't want to live a part way life. And everybody will, will, will scream that, but at the same time, nobody wants to take responsibility. Everybody wants to look to somebody else to blame. And so, you know, a lot of people are looking for the attaboys, um, you know, that a boy, you did a great job there and, or, I, you know, whatever. And a lot of people are living that way, but at the end of the day, I have to sleep with me. And so I think it, it, I think it's a normal track that we go through, but at a certain point in your maturity, I certainly didn't want to be one of these assholes that I saw that were like, yeah, I could have done a lot, but my dad really had it in for me. I'm like, dude, you're 64 years old. Maybe you got to let it go. You know? and, and it's like, you know, I'd hear stuff like that. I'd hear it all the time. And I was like, that's maybe the most unmanly thing I've ever heard in my life. Mental note. Don't be like that guy. And, yeah. and that, you know, that when I, when I say that nobody's self-made, it's like that guy informs me of the future as well. That's a choice you can make, Tate, because under this yeah, unity, yeah. you are him and he is you. That's just another, uh, you know, string theory parallel that could be you in another realm. Do you want that? Choose it wisely. And so that whole thing about looking down the road and going, I'm at the end of the day, I'm left holding the bag no matter what. If I know that no matter what, man, I need to be responsible about my choices today. And then I look at my future self and I go, if I steal this now, how does that affect Tate Fletcher next Wednesday? Or if I cheat on my girlfriend here, what does that mean there? Mm. And, and just going through those things and going, why would I buy my future self problems? Why would I buy my future self a pain in the ass? And that's kind of what I'm doing with my actions today. So am I trying to make my future self richer, 
greater potential, uh, greater service, greater, you know, useful, like all these, or am I trying to make him a little more crippled, a little more unhealthy, a little more overweight, a little more depressed, a little like I'm choosing my future today. And I think that that hundred percent responsibility is a hundred percent key and crucial in that. And if I'm not willing to be committed to my own responsibility to this life, I am an amateur at best. Rocktober gold. It's gold, Gary. It's gold in them bare hills. You said to be of service, you have to be fit for service. What does that look like for you today? Like, let's just keep going with that conversation about well, it, it, it looks, kids. I learned it from a bum. There's this old homeless guy that lived at the Ralph's grocery store by my house on Poinsettia in L.A. And he was a, a really uh, tall, good-looking, gray-haired gentleman. And he was always clean and he'd stand outside the door and he'd ask for change, but he did it in such a way. I mean, it's like that thing my mom used to say, you can ask anybody anything, you can tell anybody anything as long as you say it in the right way. Well, that means you need to be thoughtful about your words. Choose them carefully. Well, this guy did and he wouldn't harangue you on the way in, but on the way out, you'd see him and say, hey, if you could spare anything and, and I go, sure. And he'd say, You'd ask him how his day was, and he'd be like, oh, it is fantastic. What a beautiful day, and we're living in Southern California. Can you believe it? How great is this? Always upbeat and really happy. Not in snap at that time what it was. The lesson was seeing the other side of it. And I was at the Beverly Center one day, and the guy came up, and he's kind of dragging one leg in some um, really dramatic, overly dramatic limp and dirty and, like, barely could reach his little frail hand out at 23 years old or whatever he was and go could I get a, a dollar? And I'm like, no, I'll kick you in front of the bus. Like, <laughs> yeah, no time for that. You are a draw on energy, on everything. I, I saw, now that guy was a, a fake beggar. He had the idea that I will look as bedraggled as I can and I'm going to go and present myself and then I'll get the most money back. And, I, and, and then I started thinking about myself because I was looking, I was, I was just working for Joe a little bit for Joe Rogan as a bodyguard. And I was always looking for other work and I was fighting. I just was getting ready for a championship fight at the WEC. And I thought I should learn something from this experience. The thing is, is the guy that's happier gets the money. The guy that regardless of the, the, the situation doesn't matter. The external doesn't matter. As long as you're happy about it and you're uh, upbeat and you're nice to be around, that's the guy that they want to pay you. So if you go in, you're like, hey, I'm just looking for a job and anything you could do would be great. That's a way to ask for a job. Another thing is, hey, how are you doing, man? Yeah, I've got some extra time and I'd love to be a part of your group if there's anything like, you know, like that's a whole other way. You want to be around the one guy, you don't the other. And so I started thinking about like, you better present yourself in a way that would you be somebody that you would want to hang out with? And if not, change that shit. And I, I think that that was one of the biggest things is just looking at it in that kind of a way of going, how can I be most useful? I need to become useful. And so the first thing is in my disposition. And then secondarily, I mean, I guess I'll go back. There's a kid that uh, works with us at the warehouse here in Albuquerque um, packing coffee. And he was asking about, you know, what's another way I could get another job or whatever? Like, what's another way I could make some more money if you know anybody else that's looking? And I go... Huh, I go, let me think about that. And then I came back to him an hour later because I'm trying to be careful about not giving answers quickly because I, I, I don't know. So I try to like let it sit and meditate on it a little bit and see if something else comes. And, and I went back, I said, you know, I think you're asking me the wrong question, Eric. I think maybe the question is, how can you be more useful? Uh, not where could I get 
more money? I think that's the wrong question. I think the question is, the more useful I am to the universe, the more the universe has for me to do work-wise. And then I pointed to Moses. I go, Moses is well-dressed, well-kept, speaks Spanish. That makes him more useful right away. That's a bilingual guy. He's more educated. Um, he's neat and well put together and he's always smiling. I said, and so I kind of start there, dude. And then I got into martial arts and then I started going, well, if you're in better shape, if you look disciplined enough to take care of yourself, people are more attracted to paying you money for that. Now we get into this weird twist of like cosmopolitan taught me to be ashamed of my body because it was meeting an unmeetable goal or all this bullshit that we hear. Right. I don't know if you have that in Australia, but oh yeah, oh, yeah. you want to blame a magazine for having low self-esteem about being fat or how about you stop being fat be empowered about your goddamn life and learn an operating manual for this body that we get to go through as a vehicle through this life with be responsible to your goddamn self you're blaming a magazine for being fat that's bummer like be ashamed of that go ahead because if i mean for me being ashamed of the way that i was living for sure gave me the impetus to change the way I was living. Like that was the appropriate response emotionally that I was having to being a shit bag. It just was. Mm. And so, so the next thing is, I don't care if it's fair. I don't care if like it should be or this or that. Get the shoulds out of your life too. Because that's all a, a nonsense conversation. What is, is that people that are more physically fit that present themselves in a more attractive manner will make more money and will have more opportunities in the world than those that do not. Those are facts. So if you're, if you want to leg up in the world, it behooves you to take care of yourself. And so then I would say in all those ways, in disposition, intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, all those things, man, nobody ever hires Tate Fletcher expecting to hear about how my dad wasn't nice to me or about how the bully in third grade beat me up or something. Like, don't bring your old goddamn baggage to new relationships. That's a huge mm. deal. It doesn't matter. It's got no bearing on the conversation unless it can be used to be helpful at some point. But more often than not, we use these things as ways so people can understand our shortcomings. Oh, well, I was late because my husband was yelling at or whatever. Like, we're always looking to blame. We got to cut that out. I mean, it comes around all the time, I think. So I think in order to be useful, the answer is that how do I fit myself to be a service? I become broadly skilled over all these different modal domains that come up in life. You've got your own Mexican beer company, Nuevo Cerveza, which I'm super keen to try. You've got the coffee company. You have been in the cage. You've talked about, you know, your, your, your mates going in the cage and fighting, stick fighting. You are a stuntman in Hollywood. So oh, yeah. you're doing all the stuff that other people don't want to do. You're starting new ventures and continuing on to grow. How does Tate Fletcher face up to fear? Because there's fear involved in stunts that others don't want to do. There's fear involved in, certainly in fighting. There's fear involved in business in all aspects. Yeah. What goes through your own mind or how do you handle that, Tate? I, I just stay scared. You know, <laughs> every asshole with a monster truck wants to be like, um, no fear on the back of their windshield or something. In the meantime, they're 40 pounds overweight, never really tried hard their whole life. Uh, you know, the thing is, is yeah, we're on a 
rock spinning through space and there's no ceiling on this bitch. It's scary. <laughs> <laughs> there's the promo. There's well, a there's the, promo. the promo. That's right. Well, yeah, that, that, that's the Rocktober promo right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like that we are amidst madness all over. We just now in America, I don't know if you watched it, but before the, uh, the Republican primary, uh, Cruz and Trump we're having a big dick contest, a legitimate big dick contest on stage at the Republican National Convention. This is how they're vying for the presidency of the United States of America. They're going, well, yours probably isn't very big. Look at your little hands. Uh, and I was like, this is on television. They're old men in suits talking about dick size. Unreal. I'm like, this is a crazy magic trick. So it's all amidst fear. Everything is all fear-based here. Is Halliburton going to take us to war again? Are the oil, uh, is it going to kill all the fish and we're all going to be mutated? Are we going to have a big radiation spill? Are the Russians going to nuke us? Are the Chinese going to outwork us? Are they like, yes, the answer is yes, they are. They're hungry. But uh, <laughs> the, 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 the thing is, is that, it's it's all it's all around us and the news inundates us in America anyway with it. It's all fear based shit. I just can't care about the fear. But what I what I like doing is I like to do the hard thing every day. And so I like to go and I do the scary, uncomfortable thing, and I think there's a lot of merit in that. Now then when something really um scary comes up, you know, it's not so scary. Like all the things like I'm, I'm like I said, I'm really at peace with death. Like that's the big trump card that everybody uses in religion so that you'll go kill other people that are our brothers and sisters around the world. Well, that's asinine. If I really see that person as one with me, what am I doing? And why am I scared of this? There's no reason, man. There's no fear in that. And if I have to die for my values, I have no problem with that either. But I'm not going to be pushed into a corner or compromised because of fear. It doesn't mean that fear won't be there. But I'm not going to compromise my values for it. And I'm not going to compromise the ability to be of service or to get the job done for it. Those are my values, man. And I'll stand for those in the face of fear or of whatever. And so I think that's the thing is I create a standard for myself. It's not to, the goal is not to live a life without fear. That's the fallacy. Everybody wants to live a life of comfort. And those are pussies. There is no comfort in this life that's worthwhile. Like the comforts are, are, are fleeting. But if you want lasting comfort, that's like, I'll be taken care of and I'm going to be able to live a rad life. You better become addicted to having short, potent uh, instances every day with extreme discomfort and put yourself because we live in a place where, as Rogan says, it's, it's too easy to get food. People have become pussies. You can just go to the grocery store and get food. Nobody has to have like, it's too simple. Some people need to starve to death. And, and if you're not willing to go out there and get that uncomfortable for it, what, what makes you think that you merit the comfort at the other end of it? Like life is scary, man. When I put my shoes on and I go outside, it is a war. People are trying to take from me or get over or build something before I build it or whatever the thing is. And if it's all a game like this, I need to position myself well and I don't need to be aggressive or violent or any of those things. But what I need is to be aware and without awareness, you're going to be short-sighted. And without short-sightedness, while we float down this river of life, you're not going to see the rapids that are coming up. You're not going to see the rocks, all of which would be easily avoidable if you had a little bit of awareness and foresight as to what your position in the world was and where you were headed. Now, we all have the ability to do that, 
but it's not something that we train or that we teach people to train that muscle. And that's the difference between a boss and somebody just spectating. You've got to be able to see the future. And in that way, you can kind of pull the future into you. And yeah, it's all scary. But when it's all scary, it kind of becomes a, a zero point, a zero sum. It doesn't matter anymore. Okay, life's hard. Get a helmet. Now what? You know what I mean? It's all hard. <laughs> it, it, it's all hard. And once I accept that it's all hard, wow, things become way more palatable. There's another, another sign for the studio world, Gary. Life's hard. Get a helmet. Get a helmet. <laughs> yep. Tate, um, you, when I asked you before about backbone, you talked about the people around you. And something you said before, I'm just curious about. You talk, the word you used was there's a fellowship in the UFC. You talked about Keith, who obviously you're in business with, Cowboy, George. I know you're tight with Joe Rogan. And it's interesting. I hear the same type of thing when I listen to Jocko and Leif or Mark Devine, all these guys who are the Navy SEALs. There's a certain fellowship or brotherhood that's very, very tight and it's very tight chains and seemingly unbreakable. What's that like? And the reason I ask the question is because Robbo um, coaches a, a, a kid's footy, a rugby team, and we quite often bring this conversation back to kids and families. It's the same thing in work, but I'm curious, what's the glue or what's the the secret spice that's behind this fellowship that people could take to a rugby team or to their PNC meeting at a school. What What is that secret thing that just gives that fellowship of jiu-jitsu or UFC, the SEALs, and you're probably bringing into your own businesses now. How would you describe it? What do we do? Um, I, I first have to put a, a I've, got to, I've got to start with a disclaimer. And, and it's like when, when I hear Tim Kennedy talk about like, well, you guys know it's like this or like that. The stakes are so high for those spec ops guys and they're watching guys die next to them. And it kind of uh, makes me a little bit ashamed every time anybody talks about the warriors that go inside the cage because that's not what it is. The servicemen that are out putting their lives on the line, that are watching their brothers and sisters die next to them or be burned alive or any other atrocity, that's a different thing. Um, so I, I just want to put a distinction there, like Jocko Willink and, 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 and that ilk, um, and my friends in the SEALs, and I've got family that are SEAL team members. It's a different thing, man, and, um, and I don't know what that's like. For, for me, I would say that if I, and if I dared to guess for them, it would be the commonality of suffering. And suffering brings us together in a way that few things do. And when you're suffering for a common cause that you make to be a just cause in your mind, you get a camaraderie that is unparalleled. A lot of that means you need to be doing the same thing. Like it, it's kind of like uh, Joey Villasenor, he, 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 he'll say things. He, he was one of the original Jackson's team members he came down from Four Corners, and he was one of the trailblazers for the mixed martial arts sport coming out of New Mexico. And he was always he was I always looked at Joey as a coach to me. He was he was really fantastic. But we were all running sprints up on the up on the mountain, so we're like thirteen thousand feet, and we're running stairs. And then uh, there's a group that's running stairs. The lightweights are like not lightweights, but like the one seventies, one eighty fives are doing that, and the uh, there's a bunch of heavyweights and light heavyweights. And so we're all up and we're doing buddy carries up these switchbacks. And so it's two different workouts happening simultaneously. 
we get done doing the buddy carries um, and we come down. We're just waiting because then we all jog out like a three mile jog. We jog out together and uh, and guys start cheering on because it's arduous. The sprints they're doing up the and And Joey gets to the top of the steps once he goes, hey, listen, you guys, I got to have you know that I know that you know what suck is. And but I don't want to hear it from you. I don't want to hear anybody going, come on, dude, you can do it unless you're actually doing it with me right now. And so there's six of us that are running these steps. Those are the only voices and coach that I want to hear. Thank you, guys. I know you guys understand. And thank you. And I totally got what he was saying. If you're not mm. in that suffering right now, f- you. <laughs> it's kind of like why fighters don't hang out with many other people except for fighters because there's a they get something. But I think that 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 bonding that you get when you walk off that mountain together is a, is a huge thing. You've overcome a great adversary, whether it's an adversary you've created or whether it's ISIS, and you're doing this thing together and you're you're down for that cause. And I, I think there's a big thing in that. There's also a big thing in. I need, you know, me going in and we're talking about belief in, in oneself and I go, well, I'm not going to see magic in this tournament. I train with the best guys in the world. That's all true. But also what's true is I have a responsibility to guys that have tried to make me better. And everybody in a room in martial arts is trying to make the other guys better if you're in a healthy environment. Everybody wants you to get better because if you don't get better, they can't get better. And they know that simple truth that all these little rats out running around in the world don't know. Everybody's trying to get their cheese and then hide it from everybody else. Well, in martial arts, in fighting, what we know is that the better that you get, I'll have a better training partner that's going to push me harder into higher realms and I'll get better. We know that it's all win. The better you get, I win too. And so I think when you take that, and, and, and I would just extrapolate that to something when we're in a gunfight, I mean, if you're, if you're in a spec ops team, you want that guy to be the very goddamn best, your teammate, because you're not competing against teammates. And that's what teammates understand. Teammates are there to make each other soar higher because it makes the whole, because our goal is the team. Our goal is not self. But if you're one of these guys that's not really a teammate, you're not really a competitor, you're just a guy at the gym, well, then your competition is your teammates. And then you're looked at, if you're that guy, as a douchebag to everybody in the world. Just so you know. Um, you're just one of those guys. And, and, and that's, those guys never do well. You run a fantastic coffee company called Caveman Coffee, and we've had our coffee here this morning in the studio. It's a top brew. And I saw your partner, Keith, former UFC fighter and your partner in Caveman Coffee with Lacey. Yep. He talks about his brew, which is MCT grass-fed butter blended into this kind of caffeinated fat bomb. That's his. That's the way he drinks it. How do you drink it, mate? How do you take your Caveman Coffee? I do it different all the time. I love novelty. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like Lately I've been doing, uh, I, I just get like mineral water, and I love our concentrate because I've been traveling so much on different shows that the cold brew concentrate, I'll just take bottles with me and then I'll get mineral water wherever I am and I'll just mix it up and I'll just drink the bottle. 
And uh, <laughs> and I do that. Or sometimes I'll, I'll mix the MCT. I'll, I'll, I'll bring a little magic bullet with me in the hotel. I'll mix a little MCT and the cold brew concentrate. And then I'll put it in the mineral water. So then I get a lot of healthy fats in me and I get keep good energy. And I can stay in a ketogenic state um, doing that in an easier way without any hunger pangs and anything like that. Like this morning I had it and I had a... Uh, I just went, I, I, I'm lucky enough to be in Santa Fe right now. So I went to the Caveman Coffee Cave, which is downtown here. And I asked our barista, she said, so what do you want? And I go, nah, I don't know, something good, you know? And, and I, say, I say stuff like that as if I'm actually saying something. And she's like, okay, okay. And, and then they know me enough and they're like, okay, I kind of know what you mean. And uh, so she just starts making stuff. And I'm like, oh, cool, what are we going to do? And she's like, gets a little goat butter, which I really love. And then uh, I like salt in it. And salt also has really good properties, especially if you're ketogenic. It helps keep minerals and stuff in because if you're uh, not on any carbohydrates, your body doesn't hold water as much. And so a little, it's really important to have good minerals in your body. So I put a little bit of sea salt in it, um, some goat butter, MCT, a little bit of essence of peppermint, which was really nice, and then a pinch of cayenne pepper. And it was God damn lovely. That's what I had this morning. So how does that, what is, is that, does that end up being like a foamy latte when you put yeah, it in the, exactly, in, the exactly. in the blender? The most delicious latte you ever had. And with, with just all full fat, so it's good. It's just all good, sustainable energy. No sugars, um, nothing like that. I use stevia to sweeten it. And a lot of people complain about an aftertaste with stevia, but I really like it uh, w- with a little bit of, uh, with the salt and the goat butter, it just, it takes any aftertaste away. I, I don't notice any of that. It's just great. You've said that you eat in a way that serves your body. How does, how do you normally eat in a day, Tate? Like what's your, what's your normal day of food look like apart from the caveman coffee, which? I had that coffee and then I came back um, home and I have some, uh, this guy, he, he makes uh, these grass-fed jerky sticks. And so it's like a jerky sausage deal, uh, very low sugar and uh, high fat um, and a moderate protein. And so I had a couple of those sticks and then I had a handful of like almonds and macadamia nuts. And then I had a spoonful of coconut butter. And then I ate like probably eight or 10 olives. And then I had three uh, deviled eggs. And that, that's it so far today. But I'll eat like that or like uh, then I'll go work out and then I'll, I'll come back and I'll have, uh, I, I get tuna fish. Like I try to be careful where I get it. I, I've been getting it from Safe Catch lately, this company that is um, whatever, whatever. I, I don't know. We're all, we're, the world's on fire anyway. It might not matter where you get your tuna from. I don't know. Um, maybe it's good to have high mercury in your blood, you know, just to get ready for when it happens. Anyway. Um, I, I do that. And then Mark Sisson, he, uh, he's a guy that owns a thing called the primal kitchen and he has stuff that's like just zero sugar condiments. And so like he has a really good chipotle mayo and, and they're all avocado oil based. So they're just really good high fat uh, mayonnaises. And I, I mix that up or he has a balsamic dressing. I mix in the tuna fish and eat that with some cabbage and completely sated. If I go out, which is almost every day, I'll also, uh, I'll just, you know, opt for like a real fatty ribeye or some bacon and eggs or whatever. It's it's simple to eat this way. It's just like um, mm. deciding what you're not going to have, you know, against deciding a standard. And, and in that way, I mean, everybody wants to work hard, right, to get a good body. But it sucks to say, man, but hard work doesn't get it. It's the discipline of 
everything yeah. that you put into your mouth, that that's 90% of your physique. And that's crazy to say, but I've really done it. I mean, I've just been on films where I didn't have time to work out. And agreeably, it was like, there's, I mean, it's like you're active on film. It's not like I was sedentary, but I wasn't working out and I was in some of the best shape of my life just because I got super disciplined with my diet. And then my diet also, if I eat high fat, moderate protein, uh, low to zero carbs, I get such a sustained energy. It helps me when I talk about, you know, having dominion over yourself, your intellect, your emotions, your physicality, your spirituality, your, your food is maybe one of the biggest drugs that most people will ever put in their body. And when you consider that, you better know how macronutrients treat you. And so fat has a real satiating quality to it. Um, the way carbohydrates don't, but they scream for more carbohydrates. And so you're always sluggish. Mm. You go on these emotional roller coasters. When I'm a high fat eater, man, I, I'm mellow through the day. Like I have a good sustained buzz of energy all through the day and I don't have these dips or need to take naps or get grumpy or get hypoglycemic or anything like that. And so for me, it's just been a, and I, and, 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 and to say too, I know people that uh, are in great shape that eat, like, like Cowboys one, he eats great if he eats a high carbohydrate diet. I'm just, I'm not that way. And and you know, and you can yeah. see people by it how they are in the world, who is and who isn't. But, um, you know, the biggest thing for me was just to, to try different things and to eat ketogenically is, is the way that makes most sense uh, for me to be results-oriented. I just um, want to reflect on something you just said. And we actually, we mentioned it earlier in the show, but you just repeated it. I remember hearing Jocko Willink, former Navy SEAL, who does probably one of my favorite podcasts. It's just a sensational show. I do all my training with Jocko and Echo in my ears. And one of his favorite sayings that you said before, which has changed my world, I think, since hearing it, was discipline equals freedom. And you just talked about the discipline of eating well and the freedom it gives you of energy and clarity of thought. What, what is ultimate freedom for you? Like for Tate Fletcher today, as you sit here with all you've got going on, how, how would you describe or what is freedom for Tate Fletcher? Freedom is feeling a comfortable satisfaction that I've been useful in the happiness and well-being of others, I think is a, is a huge thing. Being free to be able to make the choices that speak to that kind of vibration is, is, is a huge thing. You know, and then at the same time, you know, I love this old punk rock quote that says, uh, satisfaction is the death of desire. I never want to be fully satisfied. I'm always hungry for more. And what my hungry for more would be would be in my desires. And, and in my desires, like I'm not super happy unless all my friends get free. You know, I, I want everybody to have solvency like that. I want everybody that is around me, you know, why start these companies you know, like we talked about off the air earlier, we didn't want to have a business. We were starting a movement about nutrition, about people getting off mm. carbohydrates, about people stop eating the poisons and the dyes and the colorings and the sweeteners that the FDA seems completely fine with telling us that we can go ahead and eat safely, even though we know that they're carcinogenous to the fact that we even put disclaimers on it to the fact that even if you get a Pop-Tart in France, that is not the same Pop-Tart as they sell in America. And Kellogg's has different recipes for different countries because stuff that they can sell freely here in America, other countries will not feed their populations because they know it's poisonous. 
And so the, the corporate dollar has overtaken the humanity of our country in America to such a high degree that we will openly give our populace cancer just so that those same corporations can pretend to cure and take care of the cancer. They want you to have cancer. And, and that is not a conspiracy theory. There are numbers that meet that out. And you can go ahead and look. And, and so in that way, we wanted a movement that got people free of the f- that was there. They got free of the idea that like somebody like whether it's the police or the FDA or the president is going to take care of you. Nobody's taking care of you. It goes back into the, the, the microcosm matches the macrocosm, right? Just like we were talking the microcosm of my own life or of somebody's own life of how they can get over their, themselves. It's the same way in the macrocosm here. And we have to get around and, and you got to pirate your life back. You've got to go ahead and take ultimate responsibility, not just for the food, but where you buy your food. You can't be counting on the government or anybody to tell you, oh, this is safe or that's not safe. You better study it yourself. You better use your common sense. If they're telling you it's completely fine to live under high voltage lines and it's safe, probably somebody paid them to tell you that it's safe while you're growing tumors in your body. We already know these things and we just discount them because we get a higher authority that we've gotten some okay from, even though we know that it's not true. And so I think in, in those ways, like that being 100% responsible means everything. You're responsible to everything, to where you get your food, to how you source your food, to who you are in this world. It all fucking matters. Gold, Robbo. Absolute gold. I think it's fair to say, mate. I've taken him through the first couple of rounds. I mean, he's six foot three, he's 240-odd pounds, which for Australians is (laughs) 120-odd kilos. I've danced, I've softened him up. Yeah, I reckon. uh, I reckon reckon we do a nifty ninety. Yeah, I reckon he's ready for it, mate. So if. Tate, if you're up for it, mate, I'm going to hand you over to Robbo for the Nifty 90. Up for it? All right. <laughs> I'm excited. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Robbo's Nifty 90. Mate, this is this is the 90 seconds where we get down to the real Tate Fletcher, okay? I feel I feel like right now it's almost like before they go, are you ready? Are you ready? Let's go. <laughs> are you really ready? Tate, can I can I just say that um, for the people listening to the podcast, Tate's got his camera on, so I've been sitting here watching him for the whole interview, and can I just say this is the closest I will ever get into stepping into a real with you, buddy. Oh, really? <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so listen, mate, the Nifty 90 is a new little segment I've come up with. It's 90 seconds. I'm going to fire a whole bunch of questions at you. I just want one word, two word answers, and you've got 90 okay. seconds to get okay. through as many as many answers as you can, all right? Try to get through as many. What's right. the record? What's the record we're shooting? What's the record? Well, we've only done it <laughs> once before. We got through 12 yesterday. Okay. I'm ready. All right, here we go. What's your shoe size? 14. Bacon or Oreos? Bacon. The last song you downloaded from iTunes? Wiz Khalifa. Something you need to stop doing? Listening to Wiz Khalifa. (laughs) (laughs) What's the the first three things you'd grab if your house was burning down? Oh, my gun, my wallet, uh, and this painting of my mom's behind me. Something you don't want to regret before you die? Nah, I'd like to have the... The admiration of all the men that have been kind enough to help me. What's your favourite sport? MMA. What's your favourite word? Ubiquitous. Ubiquitous. You better give us a meaning for that one. <laughs> you better look it up. If I, I, I love this, <laughs> nice. I, I love this one lesson I got that said, if I give you the answers, they're going to be meaningless to you. you got to find your own answers. Love it. What annoys you the most? You might have just answered that question. <laughs> <laughs> the cans. I don't like the cans in people because they're better than that. Absolutely. What's your favorite vegetable? Broccoli. And there you go. There's your 90 seconds. Fantastic. <laughs> it's interesting, Tate, just to finish this off. I um, remember Jocko Willinks on his podcast saying that when 
parents are always doting over kids and as soon as something becomes hard for them, they jump in to help them. And his comment was, if you're helping them, you're hurting them. They have to work it out for themselves. And I love the fact of, you know, what's that word mean? You should go and look it up. I think that's just a great demonstration of taking responsibility, getting it done. And, uh, mate, this has been a, a fantastic interview. I've got to say, I, I so appreciate your time, your wisdom, your sharing, your honesty, your upfront approach to helping people and being of service. It's just been a brilliant, brilliant show for October, mate. Absolutely. Thanks, man. It's been, it's a real honor. I really had a great time and it's great talking to you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'd love to have you back. And I just noticed the kangaroo on the sleeve of your shirt too, so you've got to be happy oh, with yeah, that, right? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, so Peter, Peter got me this shirt. Uh, it's the Caveman Coffee Australia edition. Oh, I love it. Oh, right. Yeah. Nice one. There you go. Actually, yeah. no, I, I, do ha- I do have one last question for you, Tate, if you've got a second. Yeah, of course, all the time. Word from down under is that you carry your change in a change yeah, purse, that. which is actually a kangaroo scrotum. <laughs> True no, or what, false? It's not as salty as I thought it would be either. <laughs> and I look forward to getting out. It'd be it'd be awesome, man. I, maybe next year I'll be able to make a trip out there. I get to go to Fiji next month, and uh, that's oh, my nice. big trip this year. So, but I'd love to come see you guys. Go and uh, go. Do yourself a favor. Go and watch some of the local rugby union. If you if you if you want to see hard hitting, you know, I, I've got some friends I work out with that are rugby guys. Yeah, and then I, I asked them that I said, "Well, what's the difference with the rugby and the soccer?" Like I said, do you guys have like. Uh, you guys have hooligans and you guys have guys knife each other at the at the <laughs> games and stuff also? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. He goes, the difference is, and there's like a Kiwi guy and there's an Australian guy. And he, he goes, the difference is mainly soccer is a, a, a gentleman's game that's played by hooligans and, and rugby is a hooligans game that's played by gentlemen. Yeah, that's about <laughs> right. Like that. <laughs> but that's fantastic. <laughs> uh, dear. Mate, it was only about six years ago they took out the rule that you couldn't actually stomp on someone else's background on it. So <laughs> it's pretty rugged. <laughs> it is. You know, the thing about coaching too, I'll say, uh, you're talking about the kids and what to take to the kids and all that kind of stuff. And I just I just got off this, uh, this little film with uh, Dwayne Johnson. And there's a scene in there where, um, well, his, his, his double, Tunaway Reed, is a, a, a good friend. And he was showing me his son, who's a you know plays football in Hawaii, and they're they're doing the haka, the yeah, you know, and doing the the whole dance before their before their high school football game, and they were outlawed from doing this because it's high school. They couldn't do it on the field because it was too intimidating. It was like bullying the uh, other team. Are you serious, and so they stopped <laughs> yeah. them from yeah. doing it. Right, yeah, and so they would do it in. In private, and there's a he's got a video of him doing it, and it is so powerful, man. Yeah. It's uh, you know when you look at like the 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 All Blacks and what I mean, they've won before the game began. Yeah, like you can see guys, they're arm in arm, they're trying to be resilient, and they're just watching that, and they just they just crumble a little bit, you know, little by little as time goes on. And I think you're incurring the energy of the gods to come into your whole team mm. as a solidified unit towards one common goal and that's powerful. And, and I think it's important, especially with warriors and, and with these young men that are going out to do this thing in the football field and the whole deal, if you can get their minds generated to a common unified force, that's huge. And I think that having rituals like that are important in that regard. 
Um, and, and I think that that's what a leader does is he, he incurs that kind of a, a pathway into these, into these guys mind. And, and that, I think that strengthens that a, a, a huge way. And I bet the odds of, of win and domination go through the roof with it. Eight or nine years ago, Australia was looking for an answer to the Harker. So, so their answer was to get like this Australian country singer to come out with his guitar and sing Waltzing Matilda. And it just never stacked up, man. It was like, are yeah. you serious? These guys are here that, doing this like war dance and you're going to sing a song? All the players had to be going, who is the guy yeah. that came over thought of it? <laughs> Bring him down here now. That's right. I mean, great guy. You know, don't get me wrong. The guy who was singing it like a bit of an, a, a, a real Australian legend. But, but just not. variety though, right? That's it's gotta right. Be the right. Just not the answer to the Harker, man. Come on, let's be honest. Oh, sure. oh, you could, I mean, I don't know what you could do. You could have a tank roll through the background. I don't know what you could do. Those guys, powerful. Tate, where would you, for people who want to find out more about Tate Fletcher, uh, we'll put the link to Caveman Coffee into the show notes. Uh, we'll put a link into Nuevo Cerveza uh, in the show notes. Where For people who want to know more about you, hear your stuff, where would you send them? Uh, Pirate Life Radio is a great one. I'm at Pirate Life Radio on Instagram. Uh, PirateLifeRadio.com, I believe, is the website for it. And just, uh, you know, you can find stuff. Uh, just Tate Fletcher on Instagram is a is a great way to interact and all that. Um, I'm at Tatumus Maximus on Snapchat, and that's the only departure from that. And that's an old name that, you know, Coach Jackson gave me, so I just have kept that around. Is that a Russell Crowe reference? <laughs> Russell Crowe? Yeah, Maximus from, um, from Gladiator? I don't know. I think probably he was a real fan of that. And also, he wanted to call me the dude for a while after, uh, you know, the Big Lebowski. But then, Lebowski, um, the dude. He's funny, man. His references are so funny. And then, of course, Clay Guida became the dude, you know. More, I mean, he is that in real life. Well, it's been brilliant, mate. We, uh, we so appreciate your time. You've been very, very uh, giving in your time, your wisdom. So um, we'd love to see you down under, mate. We'd, uh, the Aussies would absolutely love you, Danny. I'd love it, man. I need to put together a comedy routine or something so I can have, I can have a reason to go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll hit Peter up. We'll do, a, we'll do a coffee tour, mate. There you go. Or we'll go, we'll go speak at high schools. We'll straighten these kids out. Now I'm going to show you how to make radio. For this, you'll need high-fidelity stereophonic sound. And also a bit of music. And then, of course, mojo, baby. Yeah! There's one I made earlier. I don't care if you've heard that before. There's got to be 10 tonne of gold in there that you could still drag out on a second, third, fourth, fifth listen, right? Well, that's why we decided to go down this track. Number one, podcasting, you can do whatever the hell you want. But number two is, I mean, even you and I in the studio, I reckon each, if not each week, certainly every month, mm. we recount something from Tate's interview that we taught, whether it be being of service, language, reading, educating yourself, taking extreme ownership of your own world and taking responsibility. I mean, there's something, and that's why I said, you know, even though he couldn't be here, he's here in spirit. We know he wanted to be here. We've lost him somewhere in the Hollywood ether, but- Regardless, the message is just such, it's just so valuable. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing you've got to say about Tate's character is you know that, okay, he missed the closing of October, but you know he's good to his word and you know before the end of the year he'll be back on, right? (laughs) (laughs) Just to put the pressure on him. (laughs) (laughs) This stuff is going off. i got to say, this has been... uh, Fantastic, And not only is it, I mean, when, when people leave reviews for us, what that does is it helps us with the rankings. 
And when you're higher in the rankings around the world, more people see the show. And because we don't have any advertising or promotional sponsorships, a lot of our friends at Tim Tams and Doseki. Um, but it has been great. And I, just reading reading the comments really gets our mojo working. So We should also thank people who have commented because you were mentioning to me during the week that we landed in the top 200 business podcasts on iTunes. Is that right? Uh, yes, affirm. Affirmative, uh, buddy. Yes, so it's affirmative. Thank you to everybody who dropped a line for us. That's awesome. So here's the deal. If you leave us a line, just one line and a review on iTunes, on the ratings and review... Let us know you've done it and give us your address and we will send out the Rocktober Rocket Fuel. Now, this is a bottle. It's quite a large bottle. Let me see how big it is. It's actually, it's over 200 grams. So it's a substantial bottle. It's a serious bottle, right? It's not a sample. It's a serious bottle. Hmm. This is made by Bear Brewing and our good mate Rodney at Chili Balm. Chili Chili Balm. And all the links, links to those guys are in the show notes. Now, what this is, is we've taken two of the hottest chilies in the world blended it with a bit of cayenne pepper, fermented it naturally, bottled it, stuck on our Rocktober Rocket Fuel logo for the Burjo Radio Show. Leave us a review. Let us know where you are at our cost. This is all at our cost. We'll mail it out to you to say thanks. And it's been really cool. We have got a lot of reviews in this month. Please, if you've left us a review, just get in touch with us through our website, through the email address, give us your address, and I promise you it's in the mail and on its way to you. Uh, now, you know how we like to break the rules here? Mm. I'm going to read a story out. Now, this guy did not leave us a review. However, it's a cracking story, and I think that he should get in touch with us, give us his address, because I want to send him a bottle of stuff. So he check this out. This is a story from Jason. Now, Jason was in the audience of a gig that I did a couple of weeks ago down in Victoria here in Australia, and I was speaking on Mojo, and... What's interesting about this is it was an extension of my normal speech of Mojo because the guy wanted me to speak specifically about resilience and grit. Hmm. Now, here's, I'm going to read the story out from Jason because I think there's a lesson in this for all of us. He says, I've not fully gotten into journaling but had a great moment the other day when I was moving house. I woke Sunday with my big truck and spent an enjoyable day connecting with the kids rather than just moving stuff. It was great. When the moving was done, I still had this truck. So, as Tate would say, I was being of service. I rang a few friends and ended up moving some items for them as well. The next day, I returned the truck and was going to Uber home, though I went for a coffee around the corner. And when I'd done that, I thought, actually, I could walk from here. So I did. Then I said to myself, I'm going to greet everyone I pass on this walk, which I did, and I met some lovely people. I was tempted to take out my phone and check the time, but I thought, well, the time's the time and the time will be the time when I get home. Awesome. Seven kilometres later, I was home and feeling great. What a launch pad for the remainder of the day. I've been podcasting as I drive to and from work each day and it's been great listening to your guests. So I just wanted to say thank you to you and to Robbo. Keep up the brilliant work and guess what? This is journaling. Hey, so, nice. What a- isn't it a good letter? So, uh, Jace? Jace-os. Jace-os. Uh, Big J. Yeah, he's a Victorian. We won't hold that against him. We're going to send you some Rocktober rocket fuel uh, just from that beautiful note in. And I'll just, whilst I'm at it, hmm. uh, I just want to read out another little note here from a lady who sent me a note. This is a, a personal email that I received. 
Uh, and this lady had heard the Joe DeSena interview, which was week one of Rocktober, which was sensational. She wrote, I have decided that my 45-pound kettlebell is going to be the water at the beach. I hate, in, in capital letters, I hate being cold. And often when I go to the beach with my husband and daughter, I don't go on the water. So I'm going to challenge myself to go in whenever I have my swimsuit on, just to try to toughen myself up and I guess appreciate it when I'm warm and dry. And that came from Cindy. Nice. So I just like these things because these are people who've taken lessons from the show and action them. Like that's, that's I think, the gold in this show is not mm. just stuff we hear, but if you've, if you've got the courage to take one bit and then say, how does it fit into my day and my world and my ambitions, my dreams? And mm. I, uh, I think they're great. So thank you to the guys for getting in touch. Uh, it warms the cockles of our mojo hearts. Well, I'm going to throw one in there too because you've been at me and at me for how long have we been doing this show now? Four years? At me and Way at too me. long. Yeah. <laughs> You've been at me and at me to find uh, 5.30 in the morning. Well, for the last week, I found 5.30 in the morning and I, I should probably turn around and thank you. Well, be, I don't think my body thanks you for the wake at 5.30, but um, I think my life thanks you because I've certainly found that extra couple of hours have been majorly productive before the kids get their bums out of bed. Yeah, it's, it is gold. Once you get your head around it, Mm. Uh, there's no turning back. Absolutely. So um, do I get a bottle of rocket fuel? Because I'm still waiting. Don't! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. Hi there, I'm Andrea Burke from the Canadian National Women's Rugby Team. I love the Mojo Radio Show and happy Rocktober, everybody. Now, this is one of my favourite humans on the planet. And... Wow. He has dreamt of being the hardest human on the planet. If you listen to a lot of podcasts and you are looking at some of the great YouTube clips around at the moment, there's a guy who's a former Navy SEAL and his name is David Goggins. Now, it's fair to say, guys, I have been trying to get Goggins on the show now for about mm, 12 months since I heard him interviewed with one of our friends, Michael Gervais, on the Finding Mastery show. Goggins is a freak of nature. But the backstory is he was, I think he'd say, he was a fat, overweight kid who changed his life. And the turning point was he decided he wanted to be the hardest human on the planet he is the only person to have completed Navy SEAL training three times. He's done BUDS three times. Oh, Jesus. He's also completed the US Army Ranger training and the Air Force Tactical Air Control training. So he's the only person in history wow. to have done BUDS, not just once, but three times, and Ranger and the Air Force Controller. I mean, the guy wow. is, he broke the world record for chin-ups and he consistently runs races that are like 150 miles plus. Wow. This is a piece I found. Look, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I'm a massive Goggins fan and he would be one of the greatest gets of all time to get him on the show and I won't give up. I'm not going to give up trying. I'm just going to find that weird, one of his weak moments negative. This is a piece that I found online and I just love this. This is a lady in the audience putting it right onto Goggins about how he faces hard times. I would like to know when you're in that moment failing. Mm-hmm. And you have to keep going. What do you say to yourself? 
what if? A lot of times I'll be in a tourism mile run or something like that, and I'm all jacked up. Body's broken, mind's broken, spirit's broken. I start to say, what if I can pull this off? When I first walked into the Navy SEAL recruiter's office, he looked at me and said, there's only been 35 African-Americans in 70 years make it through. You know what I said to myself? What if I can be the 36th? It's the what if I can pull off a miracle? What if I can become someone that no one thinks I can be? And just, that, just me talking about that, I have the hair going up on my arms because it makes me just like, what if? I can be that guy that people who call nigger and this and that. And now I'm speaking at Tom Ferry's event. That's gold. Well, what, what I think is the gold in this, and it is with all the stuff that we endeavor to do with the show, is just giving people actionable things they can make. The, they've got to make the choice. But if you make the choice, these are actionable things you can put into your day, in work and out of work. But it's as simple as what if? You're going to change your, change your point of reference on something and someone says, would you like to? Or you're confronted with something and it's a bit challenging. It's that mental process of going, what if? Because then, then it's the uncertainty. Then it's a possibility. And I just love the way that Goggins goes through that. And I've heard, I've heard hours and hours of hours of Goggins. And he does that process in everything he does. He mm. just finds something and goes, what if? What, what, what if I could be the first person to do that? What if I could be? Just what if? And then taking a small step toward it. So um, I'm a big Goggins fan. Anybody out there who knows him, who's a friend with him, that can pull some strings. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know. Yeah, yeah. I've got a what if. What if I could open the next packet of Tim Tams? That, that, you need to challenge yourself because that's not a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fait complete. <laughs> Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. I know Dosecki's good, but I've got something that goes out a little bit better. Right, go yeah. Mojo kombucha, organic kombucha. I've, uh, I've discovered it and uh, we've got to thank the guys for sending us a case or two as a bit of a sample, right? So just a shout out to Andrew from Organic and Raw who has sent this to the studio. Uh, and what's interesting is I've never seen this flag before. It's a, and folks, this is not an ad or anything. It's just us saying... We scored a couple of cartons of Doseki for free. We scored a couple of cartons of Mojo Kombucha. <laughs> this podcasting stuff's starting to pay off. We're very, very appreciative to Andrew and the guys over there. But this turmeric one is uh, yeah. such an interesting uh, product. Are you on that too, are you? I'm on that at the moment. It's turmeric, ginger and carrot. And it's divine. It's so nice. Now, just a quick rewind here, guys. Why kombucha is so valuable. Our resident, Dr. Smithy, was on the show not long ago and we got him on the line because we had a, a listener write to us who had some inflammation issues and some gut issues. And one of the things we talked about with Smithy was kombucha. And here, here's what Smithy said about kombucha and why it's so valuable. So what we're saying is that get into your fermented foods, your bone broth, kefir kombuchas, uh, Robbo's a big fan of turmeric. That'd be the sort of stuff you would do. And then the other part of it is you need to have a variety of these things only because there are different bacteria and different pro or prebiotics feed different bacteria. Is that right? That's right. So your different uh, prebiotic foods are a lot of your vegetables, but also some of your your fibres, your psyllium, uh, flaxseed meal, things like that can be prebiotics. Your co even cold rice, cold potato 
is a prebiotic food that can actually feed the beneficial bacteria. Is that right? Nice. Is that right? So I've got some leftover boiled potatoes, coincidentally from this conversation, in the fridge. So you're telling me if I go and eat that now, I'm actually doing my gut some good. Is that right? Absolutely. So if you if you heat those potatoes up, they lose their resistant starch. But if you have them cold like a cold potato salad, mm. they're rich in resistant starch, which doesn't get broken down in the small intestine and will feed the bacteria in the large intestine. Okay. Wow. Yeah, mate, I'm, I'm thinking you need... You need fermented foods. You need some cold potato. I'd be going kombucha, kefir, turmeric, bone broth because based on the smells that come out of this studio in the morning, you are a methane factory. I mean, I've, I, we, we had a dog come in. It left the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to have, we used to have plants in here, palm trees. They wilted and died based on what comes out. You are not out of the woods, my friend. I can tell you, there is something not right about your gut. Yeah, well, I, I tell you what, I love talking to you, Smithy, because every time I come away, I come away with something new and it always works. So um, you've got me onto bone broth and I've been on that ever since and I would never go off it again. So um, I'm, I'm thinking cold potato might be the next thing on the Robbo's hit list. Cold potato and keep up the kombucha. And as a Crohn's sufferer, which is a disease that um, causes inflammation of the gut, I can absolutely vouch 100% for what Smithy's talking about because um, I reap the benefits daily of, uh, of listening to him, taking his advice on that and, and it works at one The Mojo Radio Show. Who am I? Gary Birtwistle. <laughs> better, better. <laughs> Onika, Tanya, Mariah. Anything? Uh, no. You've only got one daughter, so they're not your daughters. Born in St. James, Trinidad and Tobago in 1982 and immigrated to Queens, New York with her family at the age of five. She began her music career singing with various rappers Lady and Gaga. working negative oh. and working odd jobs. When she waitressed, she wrote lyrics constantly on the notepad she used to take orders. There is a genuine pleasure in her voice as she reminisces about this. She said, I would take people's orders and then a rap might come to me just by what they're wearing. Rihanna. Negative. There is a genuine pleasure in her voice as she reminisces about this. She said, I would take people's order and then a rap might come to me just because of what they're wearing or what they said or what they did. And I would go to the kitchen and write it down, put it in the back of my little thing or my apron. And by the time I was done, I would have all these sheets of paper thrown around everywhere with wraps. Since then... Her career has been a checklist of milestones. 2009, she was the first woman signed to Young Money, the label founded by Lil Wayne, who's also a very big fan of the show. Yeah, huge fan. Three mixtapes and three studio albums from 2010, Pink Friday, uh, has also surpassed Aretha Franklin for the most appearances, 76, by a woman on the Billboard Hot 100. Pink. A record Aretha Franklin held for almost four. 40 years. Is it pink? Negative. She is a rare hip-hop artist who has successfully and sustainably crossed over into pop music. Mm, you've got me. Nicki Minaj. Wow, really? God, I would never have gone there. Wow. Here is, just so we know, refresh our memories about how good this girl is. Here's a Nicki Minaj. He'll never thank me for opening tours, but they ain't even thank Jesus when he died on the cross. Cause your spirit is ungrateful It's so hateful I remain a staple My career's been the pink print When I retire, tell them think pink Pink Friday is the imprint And these basic instinct 
So what did I love about that? The reason I found that piece to share is it goes back to something we spoke about earlier in Rocktober when we interviewed arguably Australia's greatest sporting commentator, Ray Rabs Warren, who's a mate of Robbo's, when he said, I wanted to be a commentator so he would roll marbles down the driveway and he would call them like it was a horse race. I think for a songwriter who's working in a cafe and as you take orders, between taking the order, going to the kitchen and back again, you're taking that order, looking at and observing what they're saying, what they did, what they're wearing, the line they used, and then making raps out of it, it's easy to see why she is such a successful rap artist because she was hungry. She had a desire, she wanted it, she got after it, but then she did the work. So I just think it's another great continuation of the rap story you had from last week. It's a huge one, isn't it? And that, and the story of taking experience from life is another big one too because hearing you talk about that reminded me of meeting Billy Connolly. Um, and I'm pretty sure you were there. It was when we were working at Triple M in Brisbane. Mm. Um, and I, I actually got to spend five, ten minutes with Billy alone while we were waiting for the announcer to come down and do the interview. We were talking about what he'd been doing since he'd landed in Brisbane and, and we were talking about the content of his show and, and he was telling me that although you have a basic content of your show, I'm going to talk about this and this and this, you need to find some local stuff to talk about. So Billy, whenever he lands in a city before a show, he takes himself off for a, a half-day walk around the city and just takes notes of things. Like he was talking about seeing this guy in front, standing in front of the post office and what he'd, what he'd seen. And then when I saw Billy Connolly in, in the show that night, he talked about this guy. I mean, he skewed the story to make it funny. But he talked about this guy. So there's lessons to be learned just from life experience in general too, isn't there? Not, it doesn't necessarily have to be something as life-changing as writing, writing lyrics. Yes. 31 days of pure mojo. Rocktober on the Mojo Radio Show. All right, last week i got to say... When I was putting the show together last week, it was a pretty strenuous bow you drew for the playout song, bit of ACDC, but, um, but I think I'm going to do the same this week. Stick with me here, all right? We're sitting here alone in the studio, gazing at our navels, no Tate Fletcher, <laughs> stringing a show together that hopefully has still brought plenty of value to our listeners, I reckon. No, 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 we're not going to finish rock that, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not our style whatsoever. We, uh, we need to finish with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of rock. Let me, uh, let me throw this out there. Maybe uh, even though we've been left alone by Tate, we still have Johnny, Jim, Johnny, and his brothers Blackie and Red. Yeah. So I think we should put on a little bit of George Thorogood. And uh, you go wrong with the Mojo Radio Show. You will never, ever drink alone. Right. 
breakfast I don't want no coffee or tea Just me and my good buddy Wiser That's all I ever need Cause I drink alone Yeah, with nobody else And you know when I drink alone I prefer to be by myself From a terrible dream So I called up my friend Jack Daniels And his partner Jimmy Beam And we drank alone Yeah, with nobody else Yes, you know when I drink alone I prefer to be by myself Radio Show is produced and recorded in the studios of Voodoo Sound. For more tips and tools to get your mojo working, check us out on Facebook at the Mojo Radio Show or online at themojoradioshow.com. For more about Gary, see garybertwhistle.com or to polish your next audio or video production, check out voodoosound.com.au and for the right voice, realtimecasting.com. Andrew Peters speaking. 
See you next time.